Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of Yersinia pestis found under the microbiology section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 53-year-old man presents to occupational health for suspected exposure to the plague. He works in a research laboratory that conducts research on infectious diseases and accidentally poked himself with a needle he used on an infected animal. He has had headaches, fatigue, and enlarged and painful bug-bite-like lesions on his right groin. On physical exam, he has inguinal lymphadenopathy and a large and tender bubo in the right inguinal area. He has started on the appropriate antibiotics, and the incident is reported to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. This is a case of Yersinia pestis. Yersinia pestis is a non-modal, gram-negative, facultative intracellular bacillus. It is non-lactose fermenting, oxidase-negative, and does not produce H2S. Reservoirs are rats and prairie dogs. It is transmitted via fleas. It causes the bubonic plague and pneumonic plague. Incidence is rare, but outbreaks occur in the Southwest in the U.S. It occurs in young people. Risk factors include exposure with infected patients or small rodents, alive or dead, flea bites, and occupational exposure. Yersinia pestis produces endotoxin, coagulase, and fibrinolysin. Bacteria migrate to regional lymph nodes and survive intracellularly within macrophages. The F1 capsular antigen is antiphagocytic. Prevention includes the plague vaccine, which is given to field workers in endemic areas and laboratory personnel who work with Yersinia pestis. If untreated, the disease will lead to death. If untreated, mortality rates range from 10 to 50%. The pneumonic plague has the highest mortality. Symptoms include sudden onset high fever and chills, headache, myalgias, and fatigue. Physical exam of the bubonic plague includes unilateral swollen and tender lymph nodes, often in the groin and axilla. They can grow up to 10 centimeters in size, may have eschar and vesicles, and buboes may rupture and have malodorous pus discharge. Physical exam of the pneumonic plague includes cough, chest pain, hemoptysis, and dyspnea. Chest radiography is indicated if there is suspected lung involvement. Findings include diffuse patchy infiltrates or consolidations. Studies include peripheral blood smear, which shows toxic granulations and dull bodies, right GM sustain with rods, and waste and stain reveals safety pin appearance of bacteria with bipolar staining. Labs include positive blood cultures, which are diagnostic but can be hazardous, and rapid F1 antigen detection via immunofluorescence. Lymph node aspirate will yield Yersinia pestis on microscopy or culture. The diagnosis is based on clinical presentation and laboratory studies. One differential diagnosis includes anthrax, which presents with a necrotic ulcer rather than buboes. The mainstay of treatment is supportive care and antibiotics. Supportive care is indicated in all patients and includes aggressive hydration, respiratory support, and hemodynamic support. Medical management includes aminoglycosides, which are indicated in all patients, doxycycline, which is indicated as a treatment, and fluoroquinolones, which are indicated as a treatment option and post-exposure prophylaxis. Operative management includes incision and drainage and is indicated if there are enlarging buboes. Complications include acute respiratory distress syndrome, disseminated intravascular coagulopathy, septic shock, lymphatic scarring and chronic lymphedema, and superinfection of buboes with other bacteria. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to Yersinia pestis, let's walk through a question to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For this question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 31-year-old man presents to the clinic with complaints of sudden onset of fever, headache, chills, and a painful bump in his right groin. He recently spent three months working as a park ranger in New Mexico. 
His physical exam is notable for an enlarged lymph node in the inguinal region that is extremely tender to palpation. The patient is promptly treated with antibiotics, and his case is reported to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Which of the following was the most likely vector that transmitted the disease to this patient? Choice 1, armadillo. Choice 2, flea. Choice 3, blouse. Choice 4, rat. Choice 5, tick. The correct answer is choice 2, flea. This patient from the American Southwest who is presenting with fever symptoms and tender inguinal lymphadenopathy most likely has a case of bubonic plague, which is caused by the bacteria Yersinia pestis and is transmitted to humans by fleas. Yersinia pestis is a non-modal, gram-negative, facultative intracellular rod that causes the bubonic, septicemic, and pneumonic plague. Bubonic plague is rare, but outbreaks infrequently occur in the southwest region of the United States as well as countries in Africa and Asia. Rats and prairie dogs are reservoirs for Yersinia pestis, while fleas are the vector that transmit the bacteria to infect humans. Symptoms of bubonic plague include sudden onset of high fever, chills, headache, and malaise, along with unilateral swollen and tender lymph nodes, often in the groin or axilla. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Armadillos are a potential source of transmission of Mycobacterium leprae, which causes leprosy. Choice 3. The human body louse is a vector for Rickettsia prowazeki, which causes epidemic typhus. Choice 4. Rats are an animal reservoir of Yersinia pestis. Transmission of the bacteria from animals to humans is carried out by flea vectors. Choice 5. Ticks are a vector for several zoonotic diseases, including Lyme disease and anaplasmosis, ehrlichiosis, and Rocky Mountain spotted fever. That's all for this review about Yersinia pestis. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we would be thrilled if you would consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.